ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so last time then you remember we were now on the section regarding the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the qadr the decree of Allah so it was where Ibn Abi Dawood the author had said wa bil qadr al maqdur ayqin fa innahu di'amatu yaqd al-din wa al-din we had begun discussing the first part of the belief in the decree and what was that first part anyone the knowledge of allah encompasses everything that was the first thing that we mentioned last time that the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it encompasses everything the past the present the future and even those things that do not occur if they were to occur then Allah knows how they would have occurred too that is the all encompassing knowledge of Allah and we mentioned the example in the Quran وَمَا تَسْقُطُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا that there is not a single leaf that falls except that he is aware of it meaning any leaf of any tree on the face of the earth when it falls then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows which leaf has fallen off which tree and how long it fluttered in the air and where exactly it fell on the ground today then we move on to the second one in fact we mentioned the second one last time as well the second part of belief in the decree was to believe that all of it was written down in the preserved tablet all of the decree was written down in the preserved tablet so that was the second part of the belief in the decree and you remember we mentioned the hadith where it told us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had written down all of the decree how many years before the creation of the heavens and the earth? 50,000 years before the creation of the heaven and the earth or the heavens and the earth. Then there is something to mention about this part before we get to part three. This part, part two, is mentioning that Allah wrote down all of the decree 
50,000 years before the creation. Meaning everything that is going to happen, then all of it was written down. But then how do we understand certain other hadith that talk about the decree, for example, of a person's life being written down when he is born or before he is born? There is a hadith, for example, where the Prophet ﷺ informed us, إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ يُجْمَعُ فِي بَطْنِ أُمِّهِ أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمًا ثُمَّ يَكُونُ عَلَقَةً مِثْلَ ذَلِكَ ثُمَّ يَكُونُ مُضْغَةً مِثْلَ ذَلِكَ ثُمَّ يُرْسَلُ الْمَلَكُ فَيَنْفُهُ فِيهِ الرُّوحِ وَيُؤْمَرُ بِأَرْبَعِ كَلِمَاتٍ بكتب رزقه وأجله وعمله وشقي أو سعيد that it is mentioned that one of you is put together his creation is made in the womb of his mother for 40 days like a blood clot First initially as a drop of liquid and then like a blood clot and then like a morsel of flesh. And then after 120 days in the womb of the mother, 120 days into the pregnancy, the angel is sent to blow the soul into that baby. And that angel is commanded to write down four things. One of them, the sustenance, the provisions that this child will have in his lifetime. The rizq, the, the sustenance, the provisions, the food, the water, the home the different things that this child will have during its lifetime are written when that child is still in the womb of his mother and also ajalihi the lifespan the lifespan of that child is written is written at that time also and amalihi, whether he will do or what he will do in terms of his actions and deeds during his lifetime, and whether he will be from the happy or from the miserable, whether he will be from the righteous who do the good deeds and end up in paradise, or whether he will be from the miserable who do the evil deeds and end up in punishment. All of those things are about the life of that child. So that is like the decree for that child's life. And it is being written, it mentions in the hadith, by the angel that is sent to that child, when that child is still in the womb, of his mother so the question is if all of the decree 
was written 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth, then how come every person has their decree written just before they are born? Wasn't it already written 50,000 years ago exactly what's going to happen to you? How you're going to live, where you're going to live, where you're going to die? Was it not all written 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth? Yes, it was. So then what does it mean that the angel writes down your decree just before you are born? A few months before you are born? The meaning of that is just like other examples as well. The meaning of it is that this decree that is written for that child and the lifetime of that child is simply a subsection of the overall decree. It is not something new. It is not something new outside of the original decree. It is just a part of that original decree specifically now being written for every child. And it's not new and different to the original decree. It is a subsection from that decree. Another example of this is Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr. It mentions It is mentioned about Laylatul Qadr that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes the decree for that year coming up. Writes the decree for that year coming up on Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr, when is Laylatul Qadr? During Ramadan. So Laylatul Qadr, the night of power as they say sometimes in English, that is one night of the year where your actions of worship are multiplied. Multiplied, you get extra reward on that one night. And that one night, it is during Ramadan. And when during Ramadan? In the last 10 nights of Ramadan. And when exactly in the last 10 nights of Ramadan? It's unknown. What is possibly, what is the possibility that it could be on the odd nights of the last 10 nights? And then what is even more possibility that it could be on the 27th, 25th, 29th? There are narrations about all of them. But the reality is it can be anywhere in Ramadan. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan said, if you want to guarantee that you have caught Laylatul Qadr, then you should do your worship every night of Ramadan. If you want to guarantee that you catch Laylatul Qadr, then you should do your worship every night in Ramadan, even though it is most likely to be in the last 10 nights. 
and most likely to be in the last 10 nights which are the odd ones and then there are even narrations of it most likely being on the 27th and 23rd and specific nights so on that night the point is we know that Allah writes the decree of the year coming up what's gonna happen in that year everything that is going to happen in that year Allah writes down the decree for that year so is that something new which was not in Allahul Mahfuz before no it is again simply a subsection a portion of that overall decree that was already written and there are even uh, examples that mention there is a daily decree, uh, decree a daily decree that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes the decree of every day of what is going to occur and is that therefore something different to what is in Allahul Mahfuz no it is not it is again a subsection of what is in Allahul Mahfuz so all of these examples in the Quran, in the Sunnah, where it talks about specific parts of the decree, then they are simply sections of the overall decree, of the overall decree that was written in the preserved tablet 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. Then we get to the third part of the decree. So the first part was what? The knowledge of Allah that covers everything. The second part about the belief in the decree was that Allah wrote down all of the decree in the preserved tablet 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. The third part the third part of the decree Al-Martabatu Al-Thalitha Martabatu Al-Mashi'ah Wal-Iradah The third part is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Whatever He wills to occur Then it will absolutely occur and whatever Allah does not will to occur, then it will not occur. مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ كَانْ وَمَا لَمْ يَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ Whatever Allah wills, then it will happen. And whatever Allah does not will, then it cannot happen. كُلُّ شَيْءٍ يَقَعُ فَهُوَ بِمَشِيئَةِ اللَّهِ وَإِرَادَتِهِ فَلَا يَكُونُ فِي مُلْكِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى مَا لَا يَشَاءُهُ وَلَا يُرِيدُهُ So this third part, what it means is that everything that happens in creation only happens because Allah willed it to happen. And anything that Allah does not will to happen, then it will not happen. Nothing can happen without the permission of Allah. Everything which occurs will only be by the will of Allah. By Allah wanting that to happen or 
by the will of Allah. And there are two types. There are two types of the will of Allah. Because a person might think, if everything in creation, anything and everything, whatever it might be, only occurs by the permission of Allah, by the will of Allah, then how do we explain all of the bad things? Are we going to say that Allah allows the bad things to happen as well? For example, people don't believe in Allah, they commit kufr. Is that a good thing? Of course not. Even when people talk about, for example, scorpions, it comes and bites you. Is that good? It's not good for you. A snake comes and bites you. Is that good for you? It's not good for you. But we just said everything that happens only happens by the will of Allah. And that's because these kinds of things, like people say, some of the people who are misguided, uh, not upon belief and understanding, they say, if there was a God, then why are there all of these wars happening? And if there was a God, then why is this evil thing happening and that evil thing happening? We say, with regards to the things that are happening, which may look as though they are evil, like a scorpion, you think, what good is a scorpion? A scorpion, whenever you come across it, if it bites you, you're dead, or you're poisoned and severely ill. What good is a scorpion? But those things in this world are evil from our perspective. We consider these things to be evil. But from the perspective of the creator of those things, then it may not be the same. From us, from our view, from our limited understanding and our restricted comprehension, we think certain things are just bad. Like sins. What's good about sins? If you do a sin, is there anything good about that? Is it something good or bad to do a sin? Bad, but if you do a sin, was it decreed by Allah in the decree? Yes, it was. Because if it wasn't, then you would never have been able to do that sin. If you do a sin, then it was in the decree. So then you might think, why would Allah decree these kinds of things then? Because you have to understand there are two types of the will of Allah. One will of Allah. Will, it means like when you want to do something, when you have, you make a decision to do something and you decide to do something. There are two wills of Allah. One will of Allah is about the creation. In the creation. Whatever Allah wills to happen in the creation, then it will absolutely occur. 
The second type of will is al-irada al-shari'iyah. And that is the will of Allah uh, connected to what Allah loves. There are certain things that Allah loves. For example, Allah loves that everybody should be a Muslim. But is everybody a Muslim? No. So when it comes to what Allah loves, then that doesn't mean it will always be decreed to happen. Allah loves everybody should be a Muslim, but they are not. So there is a decree of Allah in the creational sense, al-irada al-kawniyah, where Allah decrees what happens in this earth and it will definitely happen. But the other one is al-irada al-shari'iyah, what Allah loves, that is the same as what Allah loves. And what Allah loves may not always happen. Allah loves that everybody be Muslim, but Allah has not decreed it like that. Rather, Allah has given the test and there are some who believe and there are some who do not. But as for the evil things, like we said, they are only evil from our perspective, not from the perspective of their creator. So even sins, even sins, the example we just gave, there are benefits that can happen if a person falls into a sin. If a person falls into a sin, does some wrong, and then afterwards realizes the sin he's done and the wrong he's done, and so he seeks forgiveness from Allah and repents to Allah and submits to Allah and doing all of that actually ends up with him becoming a stronger believer in the long run so in that way that sin ended up with some consequences that were good and positive for that person the sin of course it is bad but afterwards there are wisdoms for example a person repents and a person seeks forgiveness and makes dua to allah all of these things are good allah loves the people who repent allah loves the tawabin allah loves the ones who seek forgiveness so all of those things are good and they occur as a consequence of somebody having fallen short and fallen into a sin so the sin is wrong but then afterwards there may be some consequences of good for a person. So sometimes we may view something to be completely bad, but maybe there are affairs that are consequences of it that may be good. So the point is the third part of the decree, it is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever Allah wills, then it will happen. And whatever Allah does not will, then it will not happen. In the Quran, Allah says, Inna allaha yaf'alu ma yasha' That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does whatever He wishes. And Allah said, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ That you do not will an affair. 
except that Allah wills it first. And this is the other point to mention here. If Allah has decreed everything and Allah has written it all down and Allah has willed it to happen. So now if a person commits a sin, was it in the decree? Yes, it was. If it wasn't in the decree, the person cannot do it. You can only do what has been in the decree written. It's all in the decree. So if a person says when he commits a sin that it's not his fault, because it was written in the decree, so how is it his fault? If it was written in the decree 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth, and it was written when you were born, before you were born, that you're going to do certain sins in your life, then that was decreed. So when you do them, and you end up doing them, how is it your fault? It was already in the decree. No? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Any of the kids know? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's just like we mentioned here. The answer we just said it. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ That Allah has given us a will. We have a will, but our will, meaning the decisions we make and the choices we make of what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. Allah's given us that freedom to make choices. The choices we make, does Allah already know which choices we're going to make or not? Of course. So if you do a sin, you do something haram. You go to the shop and buy alcohol and you drink alcohol. Now you've done that sin. But who made the choice to go and do that sin? Who made the choice to get up, to go to the shop, to buy the alcohol, to pick it up, to open the lid, to drink it? Who did all of that? Who made the choice? Who had the will to do all of that? Yourself, the person who did it. But did Allah already know you were going to make that choice and that was going to be your will? Allah already knew. That's why it was already written in the, in the decree and the preserved tablet. It's already written because Allah already knows what choices you're going to make. But at the time of doing the action, you are the one who is making the choice. They say in the books of Aqeedah, if a person says, or, or you remember that example at the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab, when a man, he used to drink alcohol all the time and they used to catch him and they used to take him to uh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn al-Khattab, and he used to get whipped. But then he used to drink alcohol again. So one time they caught him. They caught him drinking alcohol again. So they took him to the leader, Umar ibn al-Khattab at the time, after the death of the Prophet and Abu Bakr. They took him to Umar ibn al-Khattab and Umar ibn al-Khattab said to him, why are you drinking alcohol? 
The man said, it's not my fault. It was decreed. Was it decreed he was going to drink alcohol? Yes, it was. It was. He says it was in the decree. The decree was written 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. He said it was in the decree. How is it my fault? So Umar ibn al-Khattab, and remember, can he say that? No, because at the time of doing it, who was making the choice? He was. So Umar ibn al-Khattab said to him anyway, he said to him, in that case, we are going to whip you and there's nothing we can do. It's in the decree. We're going to whip you. They whipped him and they said, that's it. We can't do anything. It was in the decree. We're going to whip you today. And they say in the example, one of the, like the intellectual reasons in your mind, you can understand why this argument, why this uh, uh, evidence is wrong. For somebody to say it was in the decree. They say, when your house is robbed, the ulama, they mentioned this example. If your house is robbed, you go home today, you go home one day, and you notice, la qaddar Allah, somebody has come and robbed everything from your house. They've taken all your iPads, your tablets, all your hundreds of pounds of devices. They've taken it all. They took your keys, they drove your car off. They've taken everything when you get home. Who is going to say, oh well, what can we do? It was the decree, no problem. We're not going to call the police. We're not going to bother doing anything. We're not going to check the CCTV. Forget it, forget it. It was the decree. Does anybody say that? Nobody. Nobody will say, forget it. Okay, what can you do? It was the decree. So why do people say that if they do sins? Well, what can I do? It was the decree. They want to use the decree when it comes to their sins, but they don't want to use the decree when it comes to other things that they want. So this even from your mind, the scholars, they say, it shows you that the evidence they are using about the decree is incorrect. If they genuinely believe the decree is the decree, we can't do anything. Then whatever happens, your house gets robbed, everything happens, forget it. Don't bother calling the police, it was the decree. Why are you going to go try? No, let's find them. Let's do this. Let's do that. We have to get it back. Why did they take our things? It's the decree. Relax. Just get on with life. But they won't. So even intellectually, you know, in reality, it's not something correct to try and claim it was the decree. Because at the time of doing your actions, you know you had a choice. Those people know that the robbers who came to their house, did they have a choice or not? They had a choice. They didn't have to rob their home. They could have gone and tried to get a proper job instead of robbing people's houses, but they chose to come and rob the house. So Allah has given people a will to make choice. So when you choose to do a sin, who is responsible? You, you chose to do it. But does Allah already know about all of the choices you're going to make in your life? And that's why it's already in the decree. So you cannot say when you do a sin, it's not your fault, it's already in the decree. There are some people of innovation. I'm not sure if it mentions it here later, it does. So there, uh, we're going to mention it in a moment. Some of the people of innovation, some of the misguided people, and the types of claims that they made. 
But before we get to that, there is a fourth part of the decree. Al-Martabatul Rabi'a, the fourth part of the decree. Anybody know what it is? Al-Khalq wal-Ijad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought everything into existence. All of this decree, it is Allah who brings it into existence. And that is as Allah told us in the Quran, Allahu khaliqu kulli shay. That Allah is the creator of everything. So all of the things that happen in this creation, all of the things that happen in this existence, all of them happen by the creation of Allah. Allah brings everything into existence. Everything that happens, an accident happens, this happens, that happens. All of it is brought into being by Allah. And that is the fourth part in regards to the belief in the decree. فَهَذِهِ أَرْبَعُ مَرَاتِبِ لَا بُدَّ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ بِهَا So these are four levels. أَرْبَعُ مَرَاتِبِ Or should it be أَرْبَعَةُ مَرَاتِبِ أَرْبَعُ مَرَاتِبِ أو أَرْبَعَةُ مَرَاتِبِ <laughs> the, the, the rule in Arabic, you've been doing it, Arabic, we've been doing it from number one to number ten, I know why, from three to ten, from number three to number ten, then the ma'dood has to be the axe. The ma'dood is what? Maratib, the mufrad is martabatun. It's a word which is feminine, mu'annath. So now the number has to be Mudhakkar, from three to ten. So, فَهَذِهِ أَرْبَعُ مَرَاتِبَ لَا بُدَّ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ بِهَا الْأُولَى مَرْتَبَةُ الْعِلْمِ الثَّانِيَةُ مَرْتَبَةُ الْكِتَابَةِ الثَّالِثَةُ مَرْتَبَةُ الْمَشِيئَةِ وَالرَّابِعَةُ مَرْتَبَةُ خَلْقِ الشَّيْءِ وَإِيجَادِهِ هَذِهِ مَرَاتِبُ الْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدَرِ They say الْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدَرِ what is the difference between the two words? Al-Qadha wal Qadr. Is there a difference between these two words? Al-Qadha al Qadr? Al-Qadha. ما الفرق بينهما؟ القضاء والقدر. وغير متعلق بالعلم؟ 
Al-Qadr. You know, really, some scholars, they gave some differences. But really, they said there is no real difference. There was uh, some of the ulama in their books, they say maybe Al-Qadr uh, is uh, what was written previous, and then Al-Qadr is what happens. They give some examples. But many of them, they said, really, there is no difference. Mutaradif. Al-Qadr, Al-Qadr, you can say Al-Qadr, you can say Al-Qadr. There's really no big difference between them at all. That's what they say. There are some small things, but they say there is no real big difference between them. Uh, depends, because like we said, those two types. So, it's going to become Al-Irada wal Mashi'ah. What is the difference between Al-Irada and Al-Mashi'ah? These, you know, they say, these are words... When they are together, then they have independent meanings. But when they are separate, then they have the same meaning. So the Mashi'a and the Irada, the Irada, you can have the two types, Al-Irada Al-Kawniya and Al-Irada Ashariya. Then they say Al-Irada Ashariya is like the Mashi'a. If you're talking about in that sense, Al-Irada Ashariya is the Mashi'ah. Because that is the Mahabbatullah, what Allah loves in the affairs. But they say basically these two words, when they are together, they have that separate meaning. But when they are separate, they both have the same meaning. But uh, you can get more details of that uh, in the books of Aqidah. They give you a lot more details about those things in Ishtama'ata, Iftaraqata, and all those kinds of things. And Iftaraqata, Ishtama'ata. But... Uh, those details, uh, you have to do a bit more extra then. Uh, same thing, same thing. So, Rabi'an al-Mukhalifuna fil-Qada'i wal-Qadr. Now, you understand the four parts about the decree. And we've explained about the uh, four parts and the belief of Ahl-Sunnah regarding those four parts. There are some people, some of the misguided people, some of the innovators, the mubtadi'ah, who were misguided and misunderstood the decree. And they said incorrect things about the decree. One of those groups is known as Al-Qadariyah. Al-Qadariyah. And they are the ones, Al-Ladheena Yanfoon Al-Qadr, the ones who reject the decree. The ones who reject the decree. There are some of them who are known as the Ghulatul Qadariyah. They say Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until it actually happens. They were known as the Ghulatul Qadariyah, the extreme ones. That they do not know, they say that Allah does not know what is going to happen until it happens. So they basically say Allah's knowledge doesn't cover everything. Listen one moment. Over there, listen one moment. So they say that Allah's knowledge doesn't know everything. Allah doesn't know everything. Allah only knows what's going to happen when it happens. They are known as the Ghulatul Qadariyah. But they, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, they finished. There's not really anybody these days 
who goes to that level of extreme belief amongst the Muslims who say that Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until it happens. Shaykh al-Islam said they used to exist in the early times, the ghulat of the Qadariyyah, the extreme Qadariyyah, but that they then disappeared. But essentially they say that Allah doesn't know or has a limit to what Allah knows uh, before it occurs. فَالْقَدَرِيَّا الَّذِينَ نَفَوا الْقَدَرِ هُمُ الْمُعْتَزِلَةِ The Mu'tazila are one group of the Qadariyyah. وَقَالُوا إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ يَخْلُقُ فِعْلَ نَفْسِهِ And they say that a person creates his own actions. وَإِنَّ الْأَمْرَ أُنُفْ لَمْ يُقَدِّرْهُ اللَّهِ And that everything just happens. Allah didn't decree it. That's what they claim. فَأَفْعَالُ الْعِبَادِ هُمُ الَّذِينَ يُوجِدُونَهَا اِسْتِقْلَالًا لَيْسَ لِلَّهِ فِيهَا إِرَادَ وَلَا مَشِيئَةً وَلِذَلِكَ سُمُّوا بِالْقَدَرِيَّةِ So they claim that our actions are independent. We make our own actions, create our own actions, independent of the will of Allah. وَمَعْنَ هَذَا أَنَّ الْعَبْدَ يَخْلُقُ فِعْلَ نَفْسِهِ فَيَكُونُ أَثْبَتَ خَالِقِينَ مَعَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ هُوَ الْخَالِقِ جَلَّ وَعَلَى وَمَا سِوَاهُ فَهُوَ مَخْلُوقِ If you believe that, that we create our own actions separate from the will of Allah, and we said one of the parts of the decree was that Allah brings everything into existence, the creator brings everything into existence. But if you now believe upon the way of the Qadariyya that we create our actions, then we are all creators. We are all creators alongside Allah as a creator. And that is obviously false and incorrect. فَهُمْ يَقُولُونَ اللَّهُ مَعَهُ مَنْ يَخْلُقُ وَهُمُ الْعِبَادِ يَخْلُقُونَ أَفْعَالَهُمْ وَهَذَا شِرْكٌ فِي الرُّبُوبِيَّةِ وَلِذَلِكَ سَمَّاهُمُ النَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم مَجُوسُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ So they exaggerate in the affairs of shirk in rububiyyah claiming that Allah doesn't will for these things to happen and we are willing them ourselves. Then on the other side this was the Qadariyyah, Qadariyyah on one side, believing that Allah doesn't will these things and we create them ourselves and Allah doesn't know, independent from the decree of Allah. But then on the other side, the other extreme, you have the second group, the Jabriyyah. And they are the ones who believe that we are completely under the decree of Allah to such a level that Allah hasn't given us free will and choice. That Allah hasn't given us free will and choice. They say we are like a feather, the feather which comes off a bird. When it flies in the wind, you throw a feather into the sky. Which way does it go? Whichever way the wind is blowing, if the wind is blowing that way, you throw the feather, the feather will go that way. And then if the wind changes, the feather will come back this way. It will just go whichever direction the wind is going. They say that's all we are. 
We are like a feather in the wind. We just go wherever the decree is written. We have no choice. But if we have no choice, then if a person commits a sin, that means it's not his fault. He had no choice. So then why should he go to hellfire? And if a person does some good actions, he doesn't re deserve any reward because he never had any choice. He had to do the good actions. So then why is he deserving of paradise? So the scholars, they say again, this is obviously a misguided and incorrect approach. So the Jabriya, they are on one extreme, the Qadariya on the other extreme. The Jabriya, Atba'u al-Jahm ibn Safwan, the Jahmiya, they are from this type. Qalu al-Abdu laysa lahu ikhtiyar wala mashi'ah. Innama huwa majboorun ala ma yahsulu minhu bidun ikhtiyari. فهو كالآلة بيد من يحركها كالريشة في الهواء أو كالميت بين يدي الغاسل. They say we are like a feather in the wind or you know like a puppet, a wooden string puppet. When you have the strings on it, how does the puppet move wherever the person holding it moves it? Or they say you are like a dead body being washed. When a Muslim dies, what do you do? You do the washing of his body. So when the body of that Muslim is being washed, the person who's washing it makes all of the movements on that body. If the person washing that body needs to pick up the hand, is the body going to pick its hand up by itself? Or is the person washing it, pick it up? The person washing it. They say you are like the dead body. You can't do anything. The person washing you moves you and does whatever he does. Wa kaljanazati ala nash. Or after do after you've done the washing of the body, then where is the body taken? You do the janaza and then you're going to go and bury it. When they go to bury it, the body is on the like the nowadays they just take the coffin. But in the olden days, they would have like the wooden, like a wooden uh, uh, bed kind of thing. And you put the body on top and you carry that. So when you're on top as a dead body, can you move? Can you do anything? You are simply going to go whichever way they take you. So they say that's what we are like. Al-abdu majboorun ala af'alihi wa tasarrufatihi innama huwa alah tuharrak. They say we have nothing, no choice, no will. We are simply bound by the decree, but that would mean therefore the one who does righteousness has no reward or is not deserving of any reward. And the one who does evil is not deserving of any punishment. He was compelled upon it. And that cannot be the case either. فَالْجَبْرِيَّةَ <laughs> على النقيض غلوا في إثبات مشيئة العبد وإرادته ونفوا مشيئة الله جل وعلا. So the Jabriya they went to an extreme regarding the will of Allah upon us and they rejected and neglected that Allah gave us a will. The Qadriya they went to an extreme in affirming our will and they rejected the will of Allah. 
So both of those groups, they went to an extreme on one side or the other. And this is the conclusion now, pay attention. so Ahlul Sunnah we say that everything is by the decree of Allah, including the actions that we do, and they are created by Allah. Everything is by the decree of Allah, including what we do, and all of that is brought into existence by Allah. But what we do is by a choice and a will that Allah has given us. And it is not a choice and a will that is separate from the will of Allah. So we have a choice and a will Allah gave us, but it is not separate from the will of Allah. As for, and that is the reason why, that is the reason why the person who does righteousness deserves to be rewarded by the mercy of Allah, and the one who does wrong deserves to be punished by the uh, justice of Allah. وَلِذَلِكَ اللَّهُ جَلَّ وَعَلَىٰ لَا يُؤَاخِذْ الْمَجْنُونَ الَّذِي لَيْسَتْ لَهُ إِرَادَةِ وَلَا يُؤَاخِذْ الْمُكْرَهِ الَّذِي لَيْسَ لَهُ اخْتِيَارِ وَلَا يُؤَاخِذْ النَّائِمِ الَّذِي لَيْسَ عِنْدَهُ فِكْرٌ وَعَقْرٌ So because Allah has given us a will and a choice which is connected and under the will of Allah Allah has given us a will and a choice. So when we choose to do something, if it's right and good, then we deserve or Allah gives us reward. And if we choose to do something evil, Allah, or we are deserving of the punishment of Allah. But what if somebody does something and they don't choose to do it? Are they held accountable for that? Can we tell them off for that if somebody does something bad, but they didn't choose to do it. For example, somebody comes with a gun and shoots you in the leg and says you have to say something which is shirk. They shoot you in the leg. You say no. They shoot you in the other leg. And they say, say some words that are shirk. Then they point the gun at your head, they say the next bullet, it's going in your head unless you say it. So now maybe you say something which are words of 
shirk even though in your heart you don't mean them and you don't believe them. You're only saying them because you are being forced. Are you choosing to do that? So you are now mukrah in your heart. You don't believe what you've just said and you don't accept it. But you've had to say it because you were forced, not by your choice and your will. So in that case, are you going to be held accountable? Are you going to be punished for that? No. What if somebody does some actions that are bad, but again, because he doesn't actually choose or will to do those. Like for example, somebody who is mentally disabled. Some people, they have mental disabilities to the extent, to the level that they don't know what they are doing. They, their mental faculties do not work. So that type of person, he may do something and he doesn't know what he is doing. Some people, they have extreme uh, mental disabilities and their faculties do not work. So those types of people do things and whatever they do, are they accountable for them? Because they're not really doing them by their will and choice and understanding. They are mentally incapable. They have mental disabilities or whatever the issue is with their faculties. Then in that case, Allah excuses them as well. They are excused too. What if somebody is asleep? And in your sleep, you do something that is bad. What's your name? Ammar. So imagine, you got brothers and sisters. So imagine one of your brothers... At night he's asleep but you're still awake yet. At night he's asleep and he's talking. He says, Ammar, I hate him. Ammar, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat him up tomorrow. Ammar, I'm going to do this to him. I'm going to do that to him. Ammar, he ate all of my food today and his own. He's saying all of these things at night. He's asleep. So when he wakes up, are you going to... Because he didn't even know what's going on. When you ask him in the morning, do you, you know what he was saying in your sleep? He's going to say, I have no idea. He doesn't know what was going on. So was he saying those things by choice and will? No. So he is also excused. And that's why in the hadith, it says, That the pen is raised from three types of people. Which pen? Which pen? The angels, they write down everything you do. Your good things, your bad things. But there are three types of people that the pen is lifted up from and their actions are not held accountable on them. And who are they? A young child until he gets to the age of puberty. And what is the age of puberty? No? 13, 14 maybe, but if you're... There are five ways. Five ways you can find out if somebody is at the age of puberty or not. One is the age 15. Other one is... The signs of puberty, meaning you have the hair that grows in the private areas. And thirdly, 
the discharge the discharge that occurs from the private areas of a person through desire fourthly no not deeper voice that's just along with it but that's not one of the reasons huh we said that already the hair the hair that grows in the private areas and that type of hair what's the fourth one No? So hayd for the girls, for the females, when their periods begin, the menstrual blood begins, that is a sign they are now at the age of puberty. And the fifth one? That's part of the, the private area here. This one is a hard one. <laughs> the fifth one? Uh-huh. So the woman when she becomes pregnant Alhamdulillah It's possible, it is possible That a girl may not have her first period yet But she becomes pregnant, it's possible And if that happens Then that is also from the alamatul bulugh So the pen has been lifted from children Who have not reached that level Any of those signs When any of those signs happen now the pen is no longer lifted. Everything you do now is written down. The second one, Al-Majnoon Hatta Yafiq. Somebody with the mental incapacity, mental faculties do not operate, they do not work, then that type of person would not be accountable upon what he does. Uh, and thirdly, Al-Naim Hatta Yastayqiv. The person who is asleep until he wakes up. Whilst you are asleep, you are not accountable for what you do. And that's why, for example, in Ramadan, when you are fasting, if the discharge occurs whilst you are asleep, then is your fast okay or not for that day? It is okay. That does not break your fast because it happened when you were asleep. So that is what's mentioned there regarding this affair. So that is the section regarding the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are a few more points to mention about the decree yet. We're not finished. Uh, we'll do one more lesson yet about the decree of Allah. There are a few more benefits and a few more points that Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentions here. But that's the main part done now. We'll do the rest next time, insha'Allah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Any questions, anything to add? All right, resume next week, insha'Allah. Hmm.